My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Carrie Kampakis. Carrie is a blogger, author, speaker, and newspaper columnist from Birmingham, Alabama. Her work has been featured on the Huffington Post, Today Parents, and other national news outlets. Her first book, 10 Ultimate Truths Girls Should Know has been used widely across the country by both teen youth groups, small groups, specifically to empower girls through their faith. And I am so excited to welcome her to the show today. Her new book is called Liked, Whose Approval Are You Living For? Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Erin. I am so excited that you're here. I just can't explain how important this book is. And and as I even read the title and just the description of what you're going to be talking about or the thoughts that you're relaying through this book, specifically as they relate to teens and tweens and parents and social media and the sea of confusion that that space is, it's so Mm -hmm. encouraging to me as a mom of a young daughter to know that there's somebody out there with all of that, all of the emotions and all of the baggage and all of the challenges that come along with social media. Somebody's out there trying to do something about it. Well, thank you. I'm part of it. I like to joke that it's selfish reasons as well, just because I'm I'm learning as I go too. And I feel like we're all in this together. So it helps me. Like I said, whatever I put out there, I get I get back so much more. Well, I love that so much. I want to just give everybody a chance to get to know you for a second. So you're, you're married to your husband, Harry. You have four daughters. Can you just walk us through just names, ages, and, and just a little bit about you guys? Yes. We live in Birmingham, Alabama. And my husband and I, we knew each other in college, but we didn't start dating until after college. We both went to Alabama. So we're big Bama fans. We have four daughters. They are, let's see, first grade, fourth grade, sixth grade and eighth grade. And their names are Camille, Marie Claire, Sophie and Ella. And they are just the light of my lives. But you know, like every mom, we have our ups and downs and good days and bad days. But I just I love being a mom. I love having four girls, you know, people. It's very interesting to see people's reactions when they hear that we have four daughters, you know, usually they're like, bless your heart, you know, you're like terrified for you. Yeah, yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, a lot of people be like, I have one daughter, and that is enough for me. So, um, but it's just funny. I grew up with three sisters and a brother. And girls have just always been a big theme in my life. I've always had great, you know, girlfriends in high school and college and out of college. I never had trouble finding just good girls. And I feel like girls get a bad rap sometimes that everybody thinks girls are so mean and untrustworthy, but there are definitely good ones out there. And so I've always, I have a lot of faith in the female, the female gender. So it's just interesting. After I had four girls, I was like, huh, I wonder what God is going to do with this. And so when I started writing for moms, I started as a blogger for moms and then wrote a blog post for teen girls that went viral. And that's what led to the first book. So when I when I was invited to write that book, it was just kind of one of those aha moments where I could kind of look back on my life and see how a lot of different things had led up to that moment. And a lot of seeds had been planted early on that it just kind of made sense for me to start writing for teen girls as well. 
That's so awesome. So I first came across your work when I read a blog post called Raising a Kind Daughter for the Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to give you a chance because we have a little bit of time right now to just sort of unpack that a little bit. You were talking about, I mean, the blog post starts off talking about your daughter, Ella, and her wanting to run for student council. So will you just like tell that story for people? Because I think the message of just there is a way to raise a kind daughter. And it was such a moment of like triumph, I think, as as the parent of a daughter who's got a friend in the same sort of situation. So will you just like give people that story and just tell them what you learned throughout that moment in, in her time as, as a young girl? Yes, happy to. And that story was so interesting. I had no idea it would go viral the way that it did. And it was really cool to see that happen. But, you know, one reason I wrote that story, I wrote the story about two years after it happened. And one reason I wrote it is because I think at that time, I'd seen a lot of mean girl stories out there and people just, yeah, yeah, girls are so mean, blah, blah, blah. And I was really kind of tired of those stories. And I was like, you know, I have four daughters. Yes, I've seen some meanness, but I have some seen some, a lot of kindness and they all have really kind friends. And so I wanted to highlight that. And I remembered something that had happened a few years back. And it happened when my daughter was in fourth grade. She uh, got in my car one day after school and said, guess what, mom? I'm going to run for student council in my classroom. And I was like, great, I'm so happy. And I, I try to encourage my kids to, to just put themselves out there to run for things, try out for things. Don't worry about whether you get it. It's just taking that step forward and being brave and, and trying for it and putting yourself out there. So then she told me, every girl in my class is running and one boy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. And immediately I started thinking that, you know, her odds might be pretty slim. You know, the girl, the girl vote might be split. And it was probably pretty likely that the guy might get it, but I didn't want to discourage her. So I kindly found a way to tell her that, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm so proud of you. You know, this is great. I'm just so, so glad you're doing this. So anyway, the next day she got in my car and told me that they had to give a speech on Friday. And she was like, well, the only problem is we were going to the beach. We planned the speech trip. And then she said, but Annie said that she could take a video. We could take a video and she would play it for the classroom. And I was so touched because Annie is one of her best friends. She lives across the street from us. And Annie was running against her for student council. So just the fact that she was in fourth grade and thought to do this, was not worried about the competition or anything like that, that just really touched me. So anyway, we did a video. We sent it in and I kind of forgot about it, didn't think much of it. And then on Friday, we were at the beach and it was like three o'clock and I received a phone call from Ella's teacher and she said that, oh, I'm sorry, it was an email that I received from Ella's teacher. And she said that Ella had been selected as her student council representative and she was congratulating her. And anyway, we had a little family moment. We were all so excited for her. And I could tell by the smile on her face, she was so proud of herself. And I'm not kidding when I say it was probably a few minutes later, I received a phone call on my cell phone and it was Annie's mom. And her name is Mary Carson and she's one of my good friends. And she's very, usually a very even kill, calm person. But her voice that day was just ecstatic and just genuinely excited. And she was like, oh, we are so excited for Ella. Annie, it was the first thing she told me when she got in the car today. I couldn't be happier than if Annie had won herself. And so that phone call obviously just meant so much to me. It was one of those things that I just kept finding myself thinking about a lot afterward. Because I'm thinking, you know, if the tables had been turned, I'm not sure if that would have been our instinctive reaction for both of us to be so excited for the friend who won, both me and Ella. And so as I started thinking about this article about raising kind daughters, it just really hit me that all these little kind girls that I know, they have these kind parents. They really specifically they have kind mothers. And, you know, even though I give Annie the credit for coming up with the idea of the video and being excited for Ella, 
I know that she didn't get that mindset out of thin air. I know that that is exactly how her parents think. And that's the way she's being raised. And so that was the point of the article is that, you know, if we really want to raise kind daughters, we've got to start by being kind mothers and look at ourselves and help our daughters see their friends, not as competition, but really as sisters and to love these girls that are in our daughter's lives like they're one of our own and not secretly be competitive with them as females can sometimes do. I love this so much too. And I mean, as a former teacher and a lot of what you see parents doing is very reactive, right? So in in that situation, your child's going to be devastated. They're going to feel, you know, sad and frustrated maybe that they didn't win. So maybe your inclination as a parent is to just console them and be with them and try to pour encouragement and advice or, you you know, a word that's going to help them get through that moment when it sounds like that mom just thought outside herself and and for the bigger picture of, no, no, it's not just about you feeling okay with disappointment. It's about congratulating and being gracious and being genuine in your congratulations and celebration of someone else's achievement. It's so cool. Yes, I I agree. And I I honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just as I write for teenagers and for moms. I truly believe that two of the relationship killers for females is that secret competition, that silent competition and jealousy. And I guess I don't know as girls, maybe we're raised to smile and act like everything's okay. But I think that these feelings that were that may be natural feelings to have if we let them build up in us and if we don't acknowledge them or try to work through them, then they can really destroy our relationships and create, you know, these feelings deep down where, you know, your friend just succeeded and you're pretending to be happy for, but you're not really happy for. And like I said, that can be a very normal feeling. But whenever I feel that way, I really pray my way through it. I'm like, God, I'm really jealous of my friend right now. And I don't want to be jealous. I would want her to be happy for me if the tables were turned. So help me work through these these emotions. And I don't think as females, we do that enough. I don't think we, we realize sometimes these these feelings we have. And most of the time they come out of some kind of insecurity that we have. But I, I just truly believe, and I try to do this with my daughters, is to really help them lean into those feelings because they're normal and they're natural, but they also can destroy your relationships if you don't take care of them. Absolutely. I think that's why the need for your newest book, Light, is just, it's it's so powerful because this is something that plagues girls. And it starts when they're really little. We talk about this a lot on this show. And as the mom of four girls, you know, you've got all of this firsthand experience. You've got girls of multiple ages, multiple grade levels, personalities are different. So I really want to, I really want to dive into the new book and talk about Light and, and just, will you share with everybody why you felt the need for this book now and what are you hoping it'll give parents and teens? Okay. Well, my first book was called 10 Ultimate Truths Girls Should Know. It was released from Thomas Nelson two years ago. And that book, I feel like, is more advice-driven. It covers a lot of those things that I I believe moms pass on to their daughters that's passed on from generation to generation, just things about confidence and beauty and boys, things that girls should know. And what I put in that book, what I would want to tell my daughter if I was sitting on her bed, having some heart-to-heart conversations with her. And the last chapter in that book was a point about listening to that inner voice of God and basically tuning into that quiet voice of God over the megaphone of public opinion. So when I went to write the second book, um, it really came about as I started traveling to promote the first book. And I was getting questions from the girls who were reading the book and hearing stories from the moms. People just would share a lot with me. And I felt like 90% of the questions I heard and the stories I heard all related to friendship. 
and just relationships and the issues that girls were having. So I knew that in the next book, I wanted to really dig deep into relationships and how to have good relationships and friendships with people. And then at the same time, I mean, obviously, social media is just huge. It's just so big for girls growing up in this day and age. So the book is called Liked. There's a girl taking a selfie on the front. And the tagline is, whose approval are you living for? And basically this book, it just, my goal is for girls to really just tune into that quiet voice of God and just to think about that relationship with him and trying to just drown out the noise and the opinions and the pressures of the world and asking ourselves, you know, who is it that God is calling me to be? And who, what choices is God wanting me to make? Because it's so easy just to live our lives, just following the crowd, doing exactly what our friends are doing, or in terms of our identity, becoming the person that people want us to be, you know, whatever version of us people like the best. I think sometimes we, we become that person. And the first chapter I cover identity, because I think that just lays the foundation for everything. And I think with, with girls, especially, we tend to find our identity in those things that people praise us for. So say a girl is a great dancer that usually that, that could easily become her identity is her dancing, her dancing ability. But, you know, the point I, I make in that chapter is, but what happens if you break your leg and you can't dance anymore? Does that do you totally lose your self-worth? And or it's the same thing with, say, somebody that's a fashion icon, somebody that they find their identity in clothes and fashion. But, you know, what happens if your father loses his job and you no, have, no longer have the means to buy those clothes? So we tend to find our identity in these worldly things that are very superficial and that we can lose overnight. So what I really try to dig deep into and in this book is finding your identity in that one thing nobody can take away from you, which is your relationship with Jesus Christ and what that looks like and how that plays out not only on social media, but also in your relationships and in your faith and in your identity. So awesome. It sounds to me too, like it is going to be helpful for parents, at least to separate those things. You know, you've got roles in your life, you've got activities that you're good at, you've got gifts and talents, but they don't make you who you are. Some of the things that you're going to do in your life are even temporary, a calling, for example. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's neat to hear you you know, it sounds like you're you're okay with compartmentalizing. You know, these these gifts and talents are, are characteristics of you, but they don't define you. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the pressure of social media, and I'm sure your girls and you yourself have experienced those pressures. And I want to I want to unpack that a little bit. So, how have you seen just the pressure of social media? The pressure of I've got to be this thing. I've I've got to be. I'm defined by these worldly things. How does that play out in the world of social media? And what's and what do you have to say about that as far as as far as, you know, teens trying to navigate that space? Right. I, I just think it's very important for parents to have conversations before their child ever gets on social media, uh, several conversations. And I think we all know about the safety conversation, just protecting yourself online, not you know letting anybody you don't know follow you just because the, there are trolls out there and predators and all these people. We have those kind of conversations, but I don't think people we really dig deeply enough into the emotional aspect of social media and how it can make you feel. And as somebody said the other day, she said, you know, I've never gotten off social media feeling more confident in myself. And I was like, you're right. You know, I don't I have gotten off feeling more inspired because I follow a lot of Christian writers. But I don't think I've ever gotten off feeling better about myself than I did when I got on it. And, you know, for a girl who's growing up and when her, you know, these girls, what's so different about them is our identities are formed as adults, but their identities are just now forming. And so I think it's really important for them to be very strong in who they are to know where their real identity lies in Christ so that they're not finding their identity in these superficial measures of success. And so obviously, you know, these girls, I think the biggest thing is these girls are living for the like, and they're just growing up in a, in a generation that's telling them 
The goal on Instagram is to be an Instagram phenomenon and get as many likes as possible. And it's, it's interesting. You can talk to any girl that is on Instagram or social media. And I, I would guarantee that they could tell you the high number of likes, not only that they have gotten on a picture, but that their friends have gotten too. They can say, oh, on this picture at the beach, so-and-so got 400 likes. Like they're very attuned to that. And, you know, like most moms, I, I try to tell my kids, you can't get caught up in the likes. You know, it's just that's a superficial measure of success. And one thing I talk about in the book is that, you know, God's measure of success is so different than the world's. And it means so much more to God, you know, to bring if you draw one heart closer to him because of something you posted on social media, that is that is so much more meaningful to God and important to God than getting 50,000 likes on your spring break picture. And so really what I try to do in the book is just help girls think about, you know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave here on Earth? You know, we're, none of us are going to live forever. So what kind of legacy do you want to live? And do you want to be remembered for having the best abs on the dance line or the best clothes? These things that girls tend to be praised for. Or do you want to be remembered as having a deep impact on somebody's in somebody's faith or on their life? And, you know, there's really in social media. I think there's really a great opportunity to impact lives. And like when I speak to groups of girls, I tell them a lot of people get on social media because they're feeling lonely or down or sad. They're looking for something to lift them up. And there's not a lot out there, especially for that teenage crowd. So I think there's a real opportunity to use it for good. And that's what I've learned as a Christian blogger is that, you know, I can write a message one time and it can be shared around the world. So with all of the the, the downside of social media and all the bad things that can happen on there, there's also a lot of upside. So it's really helping them realize what are you really going to use it for? Are you looking at to promote yourself and make yourself look good or to try to help other people and inspire other people? That's so important. I think on so many levels, I just, it, it, what you're, what you're saying, I think is it, it, for the practical application for parents, it is about having, like you said, multiple conversations. You know, this is not a, you know, we're going to sit down one time, talk about the use of a phone in terms of just safety. And a lot of us think to physical safety, like keeping you away from predators and all of the things that we want to shield our children from online. But the emotional health piece, it's mm-hmm. really, really important. And I think just in, in that short time that you were just sharing a moment ago, I think there are a lot of practical tips and tools in there, but really getting in deep and having multiple conversations about what are your goals on social media? How can you use this for good and not for a detriment to either yourself or other people? But man, these conversations are ones that need to be have before our girls even pick up a phone. Yes. And, and you raised a good point and something else I wanted to mention I think it's one of the most important conversations parents should have with their girls before they get on social media, but it's something we don't tend to think about. But we need to make sure that they are emotionally ready for social media. Because even as adults, I mean, we, I mean, I I do not know a single adult who's on social media that hasn't said that I get jealous going through my newsfeed or I feel resentful sometimes when you see somebody taking a fancy vacation or a group of girls out to dinner and you're like, oh, good for them. I wonder why they didn't invite me. You know, it's, it's going to trigger these emotions and especially for teenagers who don't know what to do with these emotions. I think that we live in a world where parents try to fix things for their kids instead of helping them cope with these emotions and learn how to think through them and work through them. So, you know, with my girls, I told them that, you know, social media is supposed to be fun. It's a fun way to connect with your friends. And when it stops being fun, we're going to get off. And I told them, you know, if you are on Instagram and you see your friends eating yogurt without you and you fall to pieces every time you see that and you can't think straight or have a good time with whoever you're with, then you're not emotionally ready for Instagram. And I just think that's a huge conversation because every parent I know, we've all had times when our kids have been home, they've seen something that upset them. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's natural. We all feel that way. 
But I think we've got to teach these girls how to work through those emotions of feeling rejected or left out or lonely because it's a part of their world. And if they don't learn healthy ways of working through those emotions, it's going to affect their relationships and it's going to hurt them. See, and And I think what you're talking about too, like a lot of parents, I mean, I've been teaching in the classroom full time for like the last nine years. And a lot of parents, you know, they want to build independence. They want their kids to think for themselves and to become more socially aware sort of on their own. So they're very uninclined to be on social media with their kids, looking at pictures, talking about pictures that that, you know, maybe are making you feel a way that's, that's emotionally unhealthy. Cause a lot of parents just want, you know, I think they're, they're trying to build in that independence of like, Oh, I need my daughter, my daughter to just figure it out on her own. Right. That's definitely not the case. Like these conversations are really healthy. And I think one thing you just brought up and, and feeling excluded is one that just plagues girls right around this age, like that teen tween time. And even before to see a picture on social media where your friends are together and you're not there can be emotionally devastating. Yeah. And it's not, yes. you know, you would, we, when we were girls, we would just hear about that at school the next day. It was like, oh, so-and-so had a sleepover without you. And then you just feel sad <laughs> on your own. But it wasn't like on someone's feed making you feel bad where it was something you could constantly go back to and just like go go into this like spiral of devastation. So I think mm-hmm. having these conversations with parents, you know, and, and feeling equipped as a parent to just sit down and say, how's this making you feel? Are these good emotions? If they're not, can we work through them together? So the next question there obviously is how do you as a parent, I mean, my daughter's two and a half, so we're years away from this, but Mm -hmm. we're in this space. How do you decide what questions do you think need to be asked so that you can figure out as a parent, is my daughter emotionally ready for social media? You know, I think just having the conversation ahead of time and just preparing them for that would be huge because I think so many girls get on Instagram and they're not prepared for these feelings of rejection or being left out. And I think before they even get on Instagram, just to have that conversation and just gauge their reaction to that, say, okay, we're going to do this, but I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be scrolling through your newsfeed one day. This happens a lot too. You're going to see that it's a 13th birthday party. And all of a sudden you're going to see 10 different pictures from 10 different people that these people were all invited to this birthday party. And with these pictures, it's going to be feel like a little dagger in your heart. Like, wow, you know, they didn't invite me. So, you know, we've got to learn how to, to deal with these emotions. And if this bothers you to the point that you are just, you know, bitter and resentful, you can't enjoy what you're doing at home, then you're not ready for Instagram because it's supposed to be a fun way to connect. And when it stops being fun, it's time to get off. And so I told my girls, you know, if, and if, if y'all can't handle it, if you don't use your account wisely, you'll lose your account. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's basically how it is. And I also make sure to tell them that I get jealous on, on my news feeds. I, I get jealous and, you know, feel left out sometimes. And so talk to me about it. When you feel that way, let's talk through it. And you made a great point. And I see this a lot with the age that my oldest daughter is. She's in junior high about that's when parents tend to start backing off, which we have to back off because we are trying to raise independent kids. But I think at the same time, we have to be engaged in their lives and still have these conversations that they're not going to figure this out on their own. You know, I think if they do, it's going to take them a long time. Whereas sometimes if you just have a wiser, older, older person in your life counseling you through it, helping you think through these things, they're going to get the lesson a lot quicker than they would trying to learn it on their own. Plus, here's the other thing, and I see this happen sometimes. A girl is feeling left out or resentful on social media and starts making comments on the on the picture. And, so, you know, obviously, you don't want your child doing that to herself either because it just makes her look bad and, you know, just reinforces the fact of what she's feeling, you know, these negative feelings inside. 
I definitely think, you know, too, as you're scrolling through feeds, there are things to be on the lookout for and things to talk and walk your daughter through as far as, you know, what's going to be healthy for her to experience online. And part of that doesn't just have to do with scrolling and looking at pictures. It has a lot to do with what they're posting. So do you, Mm -hmm. could you sort of unpack what are some of the guidelines that you've given your own daughters when it comes to photos they would post or ways that they're choosing to interact with people online via, you know, comments or liking certain photos or what they're actually posting on their own feeds? Right. You know, I I think one thing these, these kids have a hard time understanding is that sometimes I'll see people commenting on pictures and they're talking like they would in a conversation, giving like a little jab or something like that. And it's like being on social media, whether you're posting a post or commenting on somebody's picture, it's like standing on a stage in front of your school at a school assembly with a microphone. And if you wouldn't say it in the microphone in front of your whole school, you shouldn't put it on social media. Such a good analogy. <laughs> and that's just the way I look at it. You don't think so, about it because yeah. you're like sitting at your computer or you're at your phone and you're like, oh, it's just me. I swear that's what go through kids' minds. Like, oh, it's just me yeah. and I'm just going to post this. And the ramifications just are lost on them. But that's a really good analogy. Like pretend yeah. you're in front of your whole school. Yeah. And I, and I tell them too that, you know, you're creating a digital imprint with your name. You know, everything you put out there could be Googled up with your name one day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's sad. Like we're living in an age where somebody might have posted an inappropriate picture or comment when they were 13. And then they go to try to get into a sorority or get a job or something like that. And all of a sudden their past is coming back to haunt them because that they, somebody Googled their name and it pulled up some things that show a lack of character. Mm-hmm. They just really have to be conscientious about everything they're putting out there. You know, one of the best rules of thumb, I think that even a young child can get is just asking them, you know, ask yourself three questions before you put something out there. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? You know, a lot of things might be true, but is it not really, it's not really necessary to put it out there. And so here's an example of that. One time my daughter, she had just gotten her back handspring and she was very excited about it. She posted a little video on Instagram And, you know, one of the little girls that was on her cheer squad, she did like this little team competition thing. And she's like, oh, good job, but your legs are split. So I showed her, I was like, you know, that may be true. Her legs were split in the picture, the video, but was that necessary to add that part in there? It wasn't kind. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Definitely wasn't kind. Yeah. And so I just think, I think sometimes they just, they just blurt things out. And I hate to say it. I, I think that sometimes they don't realize things are unkind until something happens to them. And that is, you know, that is the upside of somebody hurting your feelings or saying something mean to you. Sometimes it does. That's what makes us more empathetic to other people and more careful in how we, we talk to other people and treat them is when we've been hurt ourselves and understand what it feels like. Absolutely. And that's where the real growth comes from. Oh, I love that so much. Last question. I can't believe we're almost out of time. What do you hope your readers, both parents and teens and tweens and just people who are living in this space, what do you want people to take away from reading this new book? You know, my biggest goal with this new book is to really just facilitate that quiet relationship with God and to help girls. They live in an age where they can't relax. They are always on edge, always feel the need to be doing something. You know, they're always accessible. They feel like they're always missing out if they're not on social media. It's hard for them to just to be still and sit with God and let him speak to them. So what I really want this book to be is just a a journey to help a girl to just tune out all the distractions and opinions and pressures of the world and all these things that seem so important, but probably won't be important five years from now. And just listen to that quiet voice of God, spend time in his word and just understand that, you know, they were all, every one of us are created to live authentically and not identically to other girls. 
And what might be right for you might not be the popular thing for everybody else to do. So just to really focus on that one-on-one relationship with God and ask yourself what he is calling you to be, who he created you to be, and what purpose he created you to serve. Because I think for every one of us, if we can really tune in to you know, the reason God created us and try to discover our personal purpose, it's going to bring all those things that we want. It's going to bring confidence and happiness and good friendships and all these things that we desire, love in our lives, acceptance. Those things will come naturally when we when we have that relationship with God and get our strength from Him to be able to, to handle the world that we live in. So awesome. Carrie, it's been so fantastic to have you here. And, and I'm so glad to just hear more about your book and just your story and, and the wisdom that you can impart as the mom of an experienced mother of four different daughters, different seasons of life. Just you've been through so much. It's been so awesome. Well, I've loved this. Thank you, Erin. This was a fun interview. I can't believe it's up already. I know. It goes fast. So we end every episode with something called The Scoop. It is three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. All right. So our podcast obviously is called Heroes for Her. We love heroes. So when you were younger, who was your hero? You know, my hero when I was younger, I would have to say it was my older brother. He was a basketball star. I was very shy and introverted, and he was this big basketball star at his high school. And we constantly had people at our house because of him, just playing basketball, just wanting to be there. And he just had a, a great personality, like just was so nice to everyone. Everybody loved him. And yet he was, I guess what you would call popular, but a good example of somebody using their popularity for good. And I just, I just thought he hung the moon. So he was probably my hero as a young girl. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received. And I love asking this question because it's totally like, it's whatever comes to mind right now or whatever God puts on your heart to share as yes. a good piece of advice. So is there something that someone's told you or maybe you've read or maybe a verse that's just impacted your life in a positive way? Mm-hmm. I would say when I was in college, I didn't make something. I can't even remember what it was that I didn't make. And I was really upset about it. And my mom told me, You'll lose more than you win in life, but that's what makes winning so special. And that might not be the case for everybody, but it it probably has been the case for me. I've probably not succeeded at things more than I succeeded, but it is what makes the victories a lot more sweet. And that that has been a good good advice for me to cling to is to help me not be scared to put myself out there, not be scared to fail because there's always another chance to do it again. Awesome. Last question. If you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's easy. I would like to be able to read people's minds. Oh, that's a, a good one. Though. I get flying a lot. But yeah, mind reading is great. It would actually it'd save a lot of fights in my household. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's super cool. Carrie, before we wrap up, where is the best place for people to find you? Social media, where can they buy the book? Just to check out more about what you're doing and, and follow all of the amazing ways God is moving through this project and just your life. Thank you. You can follow me. The two most active social media sites that I use are Facebook. It's Carrie Kempakis Writer on Facebook. And then on Instagram, it's just Carrie Kempakis. And then the book is sold everywhere books are or it's available, everywhere books are sold. So it should be in bookstores. If they don't have it, they can order it if they don't have it in stock yet. And then books are also available online on the sites like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and Christianbook.com. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. This is a pleasure. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure for me too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. 
You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let